0: Thanks for listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We rely on the financial support of listeners like yourself to keep going. If you'd like to support diverse voices on your radio, go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. The Sewer Show. Squatters and
1: unwaged airwaves Presenting views, news and interviews from the Centrelink queues Information on your squatting, legal and other rights Troublemaking news from around the world Coming at you every Friday between 5.30 and 6.30pm on 3CR
0: Hi there listeners, welcome to 3CR You're listening to The Sewer Show My name's Suze and I'm here with Jim in the studio Hello Hello Jim Um, So we're part of a group called Doing It Ourselves. We take over the sewer airwaves on the third Friday of every month to raise awareness of the need for systemic change more broadly within the activist movement. We talk about uh, resistance. We talk about building alternatives and raising awareness of oppressive systems around and generally movement building on a whole. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, so we'll start off with an acknowledgement of country. Uh, wanted to acknowledge and pay respects to elders, past, present. Want to uh, acknowledge that the lands that we are currently on, which is the lands of the bunwurong and Woiwurrung, are uh, you know lands that were taken over by uh, acts of genocide, acts of colonisation, and that the land was never ceded. Uh, we want to make sure that um, we do all of our activism and this show in respect to acknowledging those things. And, um, yeah, we uh, want to help participate in decolonisation.
0: Thanks, Jim. Um, So today we want to talk about something that we feel is really important in activism in general, which is self-care, collective care and sustaining your activism long-term This is a topic that is quite juicy and possibly more complex than we can fully do justice to in our hour-long show, but one that we feel is really important to talk about because it's not talked about enough. Um, We've gone into it in past shows before, but today we're deciding to focus on it fully to really help normalise the conversations around burnout because it's such an important issue. It happens all the time in our communities and there's a lot of stigma around burnout. People don't easily talk about it, or when they do, they talk about it with shame, perhaps. And we want to talk about ways in which we can role model better culture.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's um, I think it's definitely like that normalization that you're talking about. It's really important. I think that, um, you know, it's talked about, it's suddenly become more of a regular thing that um, collectives in activism, you know, particularly social justice and environmental justice groups talk about, but not. Not enough, and not mm. not across the board. Um, yeah, so I think you know this show is going to be hopefully help with with raising that awareness, and and hopefully people spread it out from there as well um, in your communities.
0: Mm, totally, and you know I can speak from my own experience, and um, you know I've worked in grassroots and organising and community building, particularly in social justice orientated um, groups, but um, also in my own personal life, you know I've burnt out. And maybe Jim, you could probably speak a bit to that as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've I um I've had a good run, uh, but I have over the past couple of years managed to I think burn out <laughs> to minor degrees once or twice. Not not at full burnouts as some some other people I've known, but definitely um, yeah, experience what
0: you could define as burnout. Mm, I love that you said I've managed to burn out. <laughs> I've managed to do enough that I have burnt out. <laughs> um, yeah, and. You know, when I said earlier that this is a really important topic, um, it, it is, there is a quite high rate of burnout in activist communities. There's a bit of research out there that talks about the average activist, you know, lifespan of being only a few years. And you can see that pattern once you've been a bit of a long-term activist. At least that's my experience. Jim, is that yours?
1: Yeah, I've definitely noticed that. Um yeah, the yeah average about two two and a half years mm. before you start to see people pulling away, and I think yeah, it is that that people jump in with a lot of passion, mm. they they dive in and take up as much as they can, say yes to everything, and then um, yeah, this this wearing them down of of, of pushing at one hundred percent capacity for
0: too long. Totally, and like that gung-ho mentality of jump in like obviously there's a lot of urgency in the work that we're all drawn to do there's um you know there's climate emergencies there's indigenous oppression there's you know animal oppression there's so much that we're all passionate about and we feel the need to fix now so this real sense of urgency that draws us to throw it all in but it isn't necessarily sustainable long-term and that's something that's pretty difficult to really bite off as well. This long-term, the haul, you know, the long haul of activism can sometimes just be a bit even daunting to acknowledge because when you do, you sort of feel a bit overwhelmed just in itself. And for me personally, I've had to hold a lot of space for that because um, it's not just about fighting to save the world and yay we get to move on to the next thing this is actually like for me a life passion and some thing I've had to really work hard to integrate into my theory of change this self-care mentality because it needs to be joyful for myself to want to do it long term but also because who wants to join a movement that's you know constantly burning out Um, and we need to make those conversations happen around the fact that this is not necessarily an overnight fight and that we want to make it sustainable, but also make it joyful for ourselves and for others.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. I think, you know, come into it and be the tortoise, not the hare. <laughs> um, you know, it is a long battle. And I think that's the thing is, um, yeah, so many people come into it going, oh, we need to have big change within a year or two. We need mm. to have big policy changes or on this or that. And it's like, that's definitely the ideal. And we're all mm. aiming for that. But unfortunately, a lot of us, in, in, are, you know, that have been around for, for, you know, as long as we have start to see that it's, it's, a, it's a slow burn and you, you have your wins along the way, but it's definitely something that's going to take potentially decades and mm. you just kind of have to go, okay, am I going to jump in and then do my bit for a year or two and then jump out or I, do I want to do this sustainably? Do I want to be part of this long mm. historical movement and, and invest my life into it and, and just have it as part of my life rather than making it be my life?
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting point, like your identity construction that gets created around it a little bit or like what you see yourself or how you see yourself in in the bigger movement. Because like, it's totally valid for someone to be like, yep, I want to commit a year or two to this and then I'm going to jump back out and I'm going to do other things in my life. Um, but, you know, as you said, the older generations, like I feel a bit like you, like I'm being like one of those older fuddy-duddies like back in my day, you know. But when you've been doing uh, this work for a while, it, it can be a bit, disheartening as well to see a lot of young people come in and throw themselves in full-blown and you know Jim you and I are we're a bit older and you know we've seen a lot of people come and go so we want we want friends we want we want friends who are there with us and comrades who are um committed but also yeah yeah communities
1: yeah and it's you know it's finding those drivers I think like the thing with um work and people are able to to do, you know, whatever, employment for for decades on end because they've got that, I guess, financial uh, reward coming in, whereas there's less of that or or none of that within activism. So you have to find other ways to to motivate yourself. And if you push yourself as hard as you would a job um, but without getting anything from it, really, um, yeah, you you tend to see that people just lack that motivation. And so finding ways that you can – yeah, incorporate it into your life, but make sure that you leave room for those other really important nourishing things as mm. well. Whatever it is that nourishes you in other ways, um, yeah, make sure that you don't forget that because it's easy to.
0: Totally, so easy to. Even for people that are working long-term, full-time, it's incredibly difficult to like do that self-care. And often when we do that self-care, it's like within that formula of, oh, that'll help me be more productive as well. And it's not necessarily about just, you know, banging your outcome. It's also about like making it, yeah. As I was saying earlier, a bit more joyful for you, ongoing, more holistic. Mm. Yeah. Um, to use the jargon. <laughs> yeah. Course. Yeah. And um, yeah, I feel as though we've got a lot here to. Like jump into, so maybe before we jump further in, we'll jump to a CSA, which is a community service announcement for those outside. And whilst we're just quickly talking um, about community, I just want to remind you all that we're on 3CR, which is a community radio, which is run by community for community, and we need community support to help uh, us keep going. So recently we had a radiothon at 3CR um, called Fight for Your Mic, which is still ongoing because people... um, needing to stay on the air are still, unfortunately, we're needing some money from people to support us. So if you're feeling inclined to support the work that 3CR does, which is amazing, amazing topics by amazing presenters, then please call on nine four one nine eight three seven seven and you can pledge to 3CR and we'd love you if you feel inclined to pledge specifically to The Sewer Show. Um, so when you call, please tell them that you're pledging to support us.
1: Yeah, and, and good to know that that money isn't going to us. It's not going to wages for us to do this. Um, That money goes to the station for the general runnings and upkeep of the station. You know, there's there's a lot that goes into running a radio station. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we'd be really appreciative for any of that money to come through.
0: Totally. Thank you so much and stay tuned for a community service announcement. The 2018 Melbourne Anarchist Book Fair is on the 11th of August at the Brunswick Town Hall. Stalls, books, projects and organisations fighting for a better world, here and abroad. Come for the stalls, stay for the workshops. Topics ranging from Indigenous struggles and decolonisation, climate change, anti-racism, unions, feminism, refugees, Anarchy 101 and so much more. Interested in a stall? Email us on info at amelbournebookfair.org That's info at amelbournebookfair.org Or message us on our Facebook page Melbourne Anarchist Book Fair 2018 A 3CR supporter Tune in,
1: dig deep and clean up by purchasing some fantastic discounted gardening books from 3CR's online garden store. We have books on water-wise gardening, organic vegetables, roses, climbers and creepers and even clematis. It's easy. Just go to our website, 3cr.org.au, and follow the links on the front page. Don't have internet access? Call the station during business hours between 9 and 5, and we'll post out a catalogue in the mail. All proceeds help keep Melbourne's favourite gardening show on air for another year. Tune in 7.30am every Sunday morning.
0: And welcome back to 3CR. You're listening to The Sewer Show. We host The Sewer, D.I.O., doing it ourselves from 5.30 to 6.30 on the third Friday of every month. And today we're talking about sustaining your activism and self-care and collective care. I'm here with Jim.
1: Yeah, hi. I'm Jim. <laughs> been doing this activism stuff for a little while. A um, little uh, close to a decade or something, I think. Um, and yeah, kind of continuing that um, That involves a lot of uh, self-care along the way, I think. So, yeah, I really feel like this is a great topic today.
0: Mm, Yeah. Ditto to that in terms of, like, long-term activist, um, particularly um, passionate about how we do this work in a sustainable way. Um, I'm also an... Um, part of an organisation called Plan to Thrive, which is particularly focused specifically on activist wellbeing and support. So if you need some resources, then look up Plan to Thrive if you're looking for some extra resources on this stuff, but also um, that allows me, I suppose, a bit of capacity to talk about this in in my experience as an activist, but also in terms of workshops and events that we run. And I'm excited to be chatting with Jim here today because I think we've got a bit of shared experience in this matter.
1: Totes, totes, and I guess like we wanted to just like say who this, you know, who is this for? Like, who are we chatting about? And and what, what do we? Who do we think that this is, maybe potentially could benefit or speak to? I guess like, um, I guess for us, it's like the people that are out there right now, um, slogging it on the front line, um, within the activist or like anything to do with social justice or making the planet a better place in any way, shape, or form. Mm. Um, Those people that push themselves, um, like me and Suze, I guess, and self-reflect, kind of, um, you know, eventually admitting to ourselves of, like, potential times when we get into the habit of workaholics within this type of thing. Mm. Um, But, yeah, I guess that behavior of, um, I don't know what what you would consider it, but, like, the you know, people that go and, you know, maybe five meetings every week, (laughs) six meetings a week, constantly running event the second one event has finished being organized it's straight away onto organizing the next event and they're never letting that time for a, a break kind of get in there
0: yep totally and also even like a difficulty switching off you know when this is what you're thinking about when you're going to bed at night or when you work up wake up in the morning um we're speaking to you because we resonate with your experience and um something that a lot of people identify within social justice or environmental um, movements is this idea there's not enough people doing this work and we're constantly talking about how do we bring in more people and that's a big part of burnout that there's a lot of weight and work that falls on a sort of smaller community of people and so you know as people in that community we're generally quite aware I think about the fact that we need more support but this is a bit of a paradox of the situation is how do we do that how do we Um, excite people about getting involved how do we create good intros and remove obstacles for people to join Um, because a lot of people want to get involved but maybe they don't know how Um, and yeah so we're wanting to really direct I suppose this conversation to people that have been long-term activists or workaholic type activists who might not necessarily be doing that self-care day-to-day not necessarily the um people who are really interested and excited about self-care and perhaps, you know, prioritize meditation and, you know, other forms of um, self-care day-to-day, which, look, we applaud you, but particularly we're wanting to shout out to our comrades on the front lines who are not necessarily doing that active self-care or prioritizing it at least.
1: Mm, yeah, and, you know, it's hard to self-recognize, you know, when you're in it. You're kind of mm. used to this certain – I mean, we're, we're creatures of habit, right? And, totally. And, and so people just get into a mode and start getting used to it and so – um, yeah, once people are organising twenty four seven, then all of a sudden they get day off. They start to feel a bit um, anxious, like mm. oh, this is out of my norm. I'm I'm used to having to, bun- you know, make a bunch of calls and, and answer a bunch of emails and kind of, you know, plan three or four meetings next next mm. couple of days. So um, I got to get I got to get onto that again. I got I got to do something. And I you know I know people that that have done that. I know people that are doing that. I know that I've been like mm. that. Um, and so. Yeah, kind of getting to the point where you go, kind of sit back and recognize, okay, that's that's something that's starting to happen to me. Um, yeah. yeah, it's not something that you might feel uh, straight away. I mm, think, yeah. like, I think you you know, you talk about like different, um, I guess, color chart like modes and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, maybe we'll get into that a bit later.
0: Yeah, totally. I would love to. Um, and like that finding the balance, like you don't want to give up the activism, but there is this like balance or burnout sort of, um, yeah, I'll talk about it a little bit later. There's an inventory of like finding your own balance and we might get you to <laughs> an interactive homework task for, for you listeners, like um, get you to make a little list of some of your own needs and how you might do some of your own self-care. But um, yeah, before we jump into those sort of more practical tips, um, also just want to acknowledge there's an aspect of this topic that feels important to flag, which is the concept of self-care and this sort of self-development work maybe that you might want to do to help yourself balance your activism is kind of sometimes shamed in activist communities. There's a lot around a martyrdom of self, like, and that isn't an intentional martyrdom, but that's something that happens sometimes because, you know, there are not enough people doing the work and so you really feel like you have to do more, you have to keep going, and the reality is you kind of do because there's not enough people doing it. And so it feels like a real big weight on your shoulders and it can feel pretty hard to step back. But also um, there's a – I want to acknowledge that there's, you know, within this self-care work and that martyrdom um, – There's an aspect of privilege, I suppose, that there are some who are more privileged to be able to do self-care work than others. I just want to flag that. I also want to talk just briefly about the commodification of self-care and the way in which capitalist models have kind of made an awkward relationship for us in this regard, you know, we feel quite alienated from any sort of capitalist models, and we don't want to take them on or any sort of systems of oppression. But that means that we often shy away from doing, you know, self care stuff. You find that, Jim?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if this is where you're going, but um, how I interpreted that when you talked about commodification of it and and the capitalist motive, um, I guess I noticed that some people talk about like, oh, I'll just push myself hard, and then eventually I'll, I'll just take a holiday and I'll go off mm. somewhere, or like people will ask me. I'll be like, oh, I've got to take a break. And they'll be like, oh, where are you going? <laughs> like, uh, to, like justify yourself sort of? Or? Well, more just like the only way that you can do self-care is if you go on a quote unquote holiday, like the typical paradigm of like going away to a sunny beach or something like, you know, you spend lots of money to get out of town mm. and, and go on this holiday. Yep. And I kind of feel like, you know, trying to break that down and be like, if I can't find a balance at home where I live in my life mm-hmm. like then that that's thats problem I can't run away from this stuff yeah. and the idea of like oh you just run away from the problems go on holiday because when you come back you're, you're back in it again yep. and then the burnout starts again so trying to figure ways on a day-by-day self-maintenance kind of, like, what do I need to kind of regulate myself that doesn't involve me
0: having to save up so I could go on a big trip? Yep. Um, Because that kind of keeps you entrenched in these systems as well. Like, you're just saving up money to do this work, which just really gives you a break, and then you're back in it again. And that's mm. kind of, you know, what people do 9 to 5 generally, and then they go home and drink a beer or let a load off and then come back all again the next day.
1: Well, it's, it's it's the... It's the full-time capitalist paradigm, right? You get you get four weeks per year, Mm -hmm. so you so you work work really hard, and you get four weeks to go on a holiday somewhere, and then you come back, and then you've just got to do another year of it. And it's kind of like it's 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 you know I think it's stressing. I think Mm. you know just thinking about it, it was really anxious of like (laughs) you know your life and and your time here on this planet. Evolves to like four weeks a year. Yeah. Um, you know, we should, we deserve more than that, I yeah. think, as humans, as, as creatures, as, as life forms. Yes, yeah,
0: life forms. Yeah. <laughs> and, desperate little life forms.
1: Yeah. And, you know, finding ways t- to, to make sure that we find that, that holiday within, within our lives, within our current you know, surroundings within our friendship groups and our social circles finding and our our own geographical spaces. Mm, And
0: not even thinking of it like a holiday, you know, it should just be part of integrated self being, you know, not this holiday construct where work and holiday, like let's kill the idea of work, you know, Um, and the mythology of work, you know, we have a great scene, by the way, look up mythology of work. Um, And, Yeah, it actually wasn't what I was speaking about, but I love the way you took it because that's really relevant as well. Um, I was sort of more talking about the commodification of self-care as in like um, all of the self-help gurus that are out there these days and the sort of upper class privilege that um, might enable easier access to self-care modalities like – People you know talk about yoga and all of the cultural appropriation and the problematic aspects of different modes of self care and we 're not so much advocating for that obviously that 's obviously not where our politics lie, but also i don 't personally feel like it's um very integrated. it can just end up being much like Jim was talking about with like you 're just taking a holiday, you just go into a class, and then you 're going back to your every day um, and also you're feeding money into a system that might not necessarily be helpful or healthy um So, yeah, that's a bit of a nod to some of the potential problematic issues with this sort of self-care and sustaining activism. And maybe that's a little place to take a pause and jump to a tune. And then we'll come back in with some more juicy practical tips. We're going to be listening to Tom Petty.
1: Yeah, I really like this artist. Um, I think I unfortunately passed away recently, which is really sad. Oh, that's really sad. I know. Um, I I hope I'm right on that, but I I think (laughs) think that's what I've last heard and... um, yeah, um, probably, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm a bit daggy, but I really like Tom Petty. Mm. I, think they, I think they're pretty cool. You're just um.
0: a great amount of daggy, by <laughs> <now>. <laughs> So this song is called Learning to Fly, which we thought was a little appropriate. We're Learning to Fly with Tom Petty. I am Suze and I'm here with Jim. Hello. We are from Doing It Ourselves and we host the Sewer show on the third Friday of every month. Feel free to call Three CR or visit the website to pledge support of us and our fellow three CRs because some amazing stuff happens here and we appreciate your community support to help us keep doing that. So today we are talking about self care, collective care and burnout and sustaining your activism. So some juicy topics that we're covering and we wanted to get into a bit of the practicals. So what is burnout?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really important thing if like you're talking about something, like what is
0: what is the thing <laughs> we're talking
1: about? What is what is this weird word called burnout? So <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, it it looks different for everyone, right? Mm, Totally looks different for everyone. And maybe it'd be useful for you to just have a quick, like, mental checklist for yourself. Like, what does burnout look like in you? Because it looks different in everyone, as Jim said. Um, But the academic definition of burnout is essentially a state of acute stress or almost similar to post-traumatic stress disorder or depression. And it's based on your ongoing or cumulative chronic stress.
1: Um, Mm. Yeah, there's, like, kind of, I guess, like – you know, the summation of that is like when you're working at length for a long period of time and you've got that load on you and that on your shoulders and feeling like that, that stress is constantly there and you're, you're, mm. f- you're solving problems. But as you're solving problems, new problems are going and you, mm. you keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Well, that stuff accumulates. It goes totally. somewhere, right? Yep. And um, yeah, it manifests as this stress inside that like starts to become burnout
0: yeah totally and can be like really physiological as well so for some people that might look like you know anxiety or depression manifest or like anger or more stressed and that can have obviously lots of different sort of outcomes but like physically obviously that really takes a toll on your body um and you know trauma if you look into trauma sort of theory a lot there's a lot there around how it really locks in the body and how we need to get better in modern society about unpacking those traumas like as they happen to us so that they don't become integrated into who we are and carry that around and also like can have little ripple effects on our communities as well often it's like one person burns out and then you see there's a culture of burnout in groups and certain communities that can be pretty potent yeah
1: yeah and it's you know it's the you know, what that means and what that manifests and looks like is essentially you stop doing the thing yeah. that you really were enjoying in the first place <laughs> and putting all your time and energy to. Is it, it gets to the point, and that's how I noticed when I started burning out, whereas where I, I started not wanting to do that anymore. I didn't want to oh, do yeah. activism. I started to fear it. I started to feel anxiety whenever I thought about having to organize mm-hmm. um, And, um, yeah, just wanting to pull back emotionally. Mm. And I think that, you know, that's not what you want. You know, you're putting all this time into it. Um, That's the last thing you want. So so I guess getting to the point where you stop yourself before that happens, really, really important. Totally,
0: totally. Really well said. When it starts feeling like a chore instead of something that you want to do, that's a sign that you're not happy in it, you know. And it takes a while to recognize that and getting better at noticing those preemptively is something like I'm still working on, but I feel a lot better about it than I did a few years ago. Um but it's taken a lot of concerted effort. Um there's some, you know, things that can kick off burn off as well. Like so often there's a bit of a, a loss of hope. Sometimes the reality of the long term nature, as we we're talking about before, it's a bit of a long haul movement. Um, sometimes the reality of that kicking in can be really disempowering and um and quite upsetting. And there's also issues around, like, maybe you're disillusioned with the movement that you're in or the culture of the group that you're in or even the cause that you've committed to. Perhaps you've realized that actually it's not where your passions lie and you're just doing it out of obligation when you don't really want to be there. Um, Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's a a full-on thing to go through. And I don't think – you know, I'm not trying to – You know, I'm sure you're not either. Like paint activism through rose-colored lenses. It's not saying that every thing that you do in activism means that you're going to jump for joy and love it. Like Mm -hmm. it is work, and you know, through it, through it, it's work. But it's it should be work that you enjoy doing. Yeah, it should be work that you feel um, motivated to do. And once that motivated stops, that's, mm. that's where the danger kicks in.
0: Totally. And a feeling of meaning, you know, a real feeling of like you're contributing. That's a real big issue in terms of burnout that people often don't feel a sense of contribution or may- meaning. You know, often, you know, younger activists particularly i have seen this before where they get thrown in the deep end and they're just given a job of, you know, making phone calls and they feel really like, oh this is a bit crap, you know, I don't really like doing this and I feel like I'm not getting a great sense of contribution to this thing that I feel really passionate about that can often cause people to burn out when they're just mired in administration roles and um, then that leads me to hierarchy <laughs> and issues around hierarchy. Um, often burnout can happen really easily in groups where you see a consolidated amount of work or power or knowledges happening in groups um, that can manifest in lots of different ways, but I'm sure like we've both had experience with it. Um, and whilst we're just like talking about like burnout and what it is before we go into more of the nitty gritty, I just want to say that burnout itself can be really useful. A um, bit of a controversial thought there, but particularly sort of what we were talking about that, um, yeah, noticing these symptoms, noticing what's going on is incredibly helpful um burnout is a big flag to your mind or body's way like it's your mind and body's way of telling you that you need to change your unhealthy behaviors or maybe it's trying to tell you that you're avoiding something that you might need to feel into maybe you're working too much and getting lost in it because you're avoiding other things in your life maybe there's personal relationships or other issues that you're not wanting to address um Also, burning out when talked about can be really amazing for helping create healthier communities and healthier cultures in our groups. It can also, if it's addressed, help you build resilience and your ability as a person and as a group. Um, Yeah, I really feel like there's a lot of benefits to burning out, but the need there is to to recognise it and change your actions.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'd kind of like almost, um, you know... Uh, Picture it as more like the emergency parachute, maybe Mm. of like just before like the worst thing that can happen. It's kind of there to stop you. Um, So it's not something you really want to happen. Mm -hmm. You don't want the parachute to go off, but it's you know at least it's there to kind of like let you know, hey, I've done this wrong. Um, And I think it's really important to when you get to that point where you're starting to feel like you're burning out, is not to go, oh, okay, that means I just need time off and Mm. then get back into my previous habits. That means you've been doing it a little bit wrong. You need to take some time off and then come back into it in a way that makes you maybe feel um, less likely that that's going to happen again.
0: Totally. That's very well said. I think that's a a big issue as well that people burn out and come back from their burnout with just the exact same culture. And often people come back from burnout too soon as well. They are excited to rejoin the movement or be with their friends again. That's a really big issue with burnout too that you pull away and then all of a sudden – Your whole identity or sense of self or your friendship groups have sort of been built up in in these movements and then you pull away and then you feel really depleted or a lack of support because you're not in solidarity with your friends anymore. And so how do you sort of create new purpose but also how do you reintegrate in a healthier way?
1: Mm, Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. totally. I think I guess like, yeah, I mean, I don't know – you know whether we 're getting into practical things or not yet, but oh. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess when we get to that'll we'll, you know' it's, it's about like trying to find what are those alternatives, what are those other things that you can bring into your life that 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 help you know and that that make um, mm. burnout not be a thing anymore and and that's going to be different for everyone, mm. um, but you know I can definitely reflect on my own life and how now that I have burnout, can see how, okay, I need to change. I mm. need to readjust. Um, and how do I do that? Okay, what are the things that I enjoy doing with these people that I, like, enjoy hanging out with that isn't activism? Yeah, um, And that can open up a whole new world, and it's great. It's awesome. Um, so, yeah, maybe we can talk about that soon as well.
0: Totally. Yeah, that, well, that segues perfectly into the practical tips. It's um, socialising time. So, like, yeah, exactly what you're saying. Finding a balance of work and play. Yeah, totally. And like
1: encouraging you to hang out with these amazing people that you might enjoy, but finding a new thing to do. So, Mm. um, you know, people that I used to enjoy hanging out with, but then always just going to meetings. It's like, okay, now let's maybe find else. What are our common likes, you know, and Mm. finding out it could be anything from board games to art to Mm. music, um, (laughs) you know, camping. uh, I
0: just had a flashback to a year and a half, two years ago when me, Jim, and a few other people from doing it ourselves went trampolining um, just to have some fun and use our bodies in a different way. We were often very cerebral in our heads and in our mouths. So it was, that was awesome.
1: (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. There's, there's so many, um, you know, fun ways to, to enjoy, um, each other's company and, and, and making that part of your life and balancing that with the work, I think is really like part of like figuring out how to redo things and remold, um, your activist lifestyle.
0: Totally. Remolding your activist lifestyle. It's great. (laughs) No, I love it. It's like, um... And some other things like in terms of taking care of one another. um, So, you know, socialising, yes, but also just noticing. Noticing what people in the group are feeling, getting maybe practising your social readings or understanding nonverbal cues so that we don't necessarily need someone to raise their hand and go, I'm burning out, but to be able to have almost what we sort of talk about in um, groups that I'm involved in is like a vibe checker, someone whose active role is to like – Keep an eye on the vibe of the group or the vibe of individuals. And yes, that can be a dedicated role, like what I'm saying, but also that can just be something that we get better at socially in our personal relationships, noticing when someone's not doing so great and asking them, you're okay.
1: Yeah, I think it's good that it like maybe starts out as a process, you know, maybe formally within your group, you can have like someone that has that significant role and starts these significant practices. But over time that that becomes less formal and that becomes just becomes ingrained within the culture of the group. And um, yeah, there's cool ways that you can do that. I think, like with some groups, um, even recently, some fun ways that w- was done, which was suggested by another uh, activist friend, um, was we all within a group got a piece of paper and we drew a picture of ourselves. <laughs> and then we drew um, like little symbols or words and, and, and jotted down next to them, like, what do I look like when I'm stressed? So I drew a picture of me, like Jim, <laughs> and then I, drew, you know, a little chocolate bar in my hand and then drew a little arrow going, eating chocolate. Like, if you see me doing that, I'm probably stressed yeah. out. And that's my go-to when I'm stressed. And that's so great.
0: So, so you showed everyone your pictures? So
1: everybody got to see each other's pictures, mm. you know what I mean? So everybody gets to see a picture of everyone and what they look like when they're stressed. And some people, it'll be like, you know, sweat beads running down their face mm. or like, you know, so, some other thing or nervous nervously doing something with their hands or something. Yeah, I'm but, a fidgeter. Yeah, yeah. So so knowing each other within your collectives. um Stresses and mm. what that looks like helps everyone kind of see that and, and manage that. And then you can see that within your friend. And you're like, oh, oh, I can see you're, you're starting to do that thing that you've noted down you do on your stress. Mm. And then I can start to ask you, hey, how are you doing? Are you feeling like a bit overloaded? Do you want a hand with something? You mm. know, it really helps. That's so that's
0: beautiful. Yeah,
1: that was a really cool thing that um, happened recently. Mm. Um, that was really cool. I mean, we've it's done things cool. in the past like that where it was just like kind of more listed down in a yeah. form, like, What do I do when I'm stressed? And it was just written down in words. What do do I look like? But I think illustrations just made it more fun and more more vivid and, and, yeah, real.
0: Yeah, the power of creative therapy as well. Like you having that process and drawing it out kind of integrates it in a whole different way. And there's like the shared vulnerability around that as well that is beautiful and makes it Mm -hmm. okay for you to talk about – this is what it's like when I'm not doing so great. And just that culture, creating that openness around that is really gorgeous.
1: Mm, acknowledging that we do get stressed. Yeah. And it's something that happens. And it's okay to admit it yeah, when you're feeling it.
0: So okay. You know, th- these conversations might feel a bit like ad, um, verbatim. Like you might think you know this stuff and you probably do. Um, And we know you know it. But it helps to hear someone say it sometimes. It's kind of part of that normalizing this, these issues. Um,
1: yeah I mean that's the thing with the movement and this topic is I think we're really good at saying it sometimes (laughs) sometimes not following through so (laughs) being talking about as much as we can with everyone that we can is really an important part of it
0: Yeah, hell yeah and you know on that note collective care you know it's such a jargonistic term that gets thrown around these days in particular at least in the sort of circles that Jim and I move in and you know what is collective care what does that look like Um, sometimes it's about getting a cup of tea for your friends but other times it's about maybe you know giving them a massage or having check-ins built into your culture Um, check-ins actually is something I really want to talk about just quickly in terms of Um, at doing it ourselves for example we do check-ins at every meeting and that's just a little opportunity for you to talk about like how you're doing so we alternate between capacity check-ins slash personal check-ins but we also do something called a hierarchy check-in which has been pretty amazing for us keeping check of any emergent hierarchy that's evolving in the group just to keep talking about it and normalizing that at the same time as yeah creating creating space for others to step up and noticing maybe when someone's got a bit too much power because, um, consolidation of power or knowledges or communications or ideology, um, in a group can cause burnout in others. If someone feels like their contributions aren't as valued as someone else, they're going to feel less empowered and excited to continue to participate. And that creates a further consolidation of power. You know, the more and more that one or two people have control or a few people, the more the others burn out. And the irony is the more that the, those core people burn out as well, because they're taking on too much because no one else wants to contribute.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've, um, yeah, I've been in groups where that's happened, where someone may have taken on a, a more, um, Central core role and taking on a lot of responsibility, mm. and the pressure of that mounting on them and seeing that like yeah. weighing them down, you um, can was actively huge.
0: see it. Hey, it's like in their shoulders, in their eyes, in their face.
1: Yeah, and the way mm. they communicate, and you know, I've I've heard people say, oh. You know, I feel like, you know, I feel a bit of a failure. But when things go wrong, it feels like it's on their shoulder. It feels mm. like it's them. And so yeah. it's not a great place for any of us to be, like, to, to put ourselves in the center of a, of a group mm. because then the weight of the group goes on your shoulders. So it's not – it's probably not the healthiest thing.
0: Totally. Yeah. Um, And, you know, the ways in which we can sort of work to dismantle those hierarchies or um – Unhealthy cultures is just like having more communication around it, being able to notice it without repercussion as well. Um, So there's a transparency that needs to sort of be prioritised around these conversations. They're pretty difficult conversations to start off in a group initially, but in particular if there's a bit of a, um, a momentum, you know, if a couple of you are bringing it up or if one person brings it up and then someone else supports this need, then it starts to become a lot easier Um, I found in in my groups that I often was a person vocalising these issues but then that enabled other people, it gave them permission to vocalise their own discomfort in these things and then that shared effort has meant that we've created some really great cultures around it. Um, so yeah, just quickly to flag, just or reiterate that there needs to be like an equity or a shared um division of work and to reiterate we don't want to continue to replicate these alienated labors of these systems that we're trying to dismantle. That feels really core.
1: Cool. Mm. Yeah, so it's all about balance, right? So mm. if you feel like you're taking on a lot of stuff, find ways to step back and learn to say no, yeah. which is really hard. I know that I found <laughs> years like a long time and I'm still not that great at it but Mm. finding out a way to say no Mm. and step back and if you're not taking on much and you've got more capacity stepping up and saying yeah look I can can take a little bit more like I've got capacity and that's like part of that collective care of helping out because every task that you take on is a task maybe that someone that's already got a lot on doesn't have to do Mm. so it's just like way of equity and balance and making sure that we all don't burn out by everyone kind of chipping in a little bit um, within your own limits and capacity, of course.
0: Totally, because obviously we're advocating for self-care. So, you know, don't take on when you're not able to, but also maybe recognising there's different different types of contribution as well. You maybe could contribute in another way, but also – there's a lot of people who are just burning themselves out at the top. And, you know, I'm curious about like when you said, Jim, that's something that you're getting better at saying no. Why didn't you say no? Or, why, you know, why do you struggle to sometimes not – not why don't you say no?
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> good question. And, you know, it's a complex one like anything, I guess. Um, you know, a combo of not wanting to disappoint people, mm. a combo of feeling like someone that needs something done and not wanting to let them down um i guess a combination of thinking you can do it at the time mm. kind of maybe not really being a bit honest with yourself yeah i think that's not- huge not really just analysing how much you can do and what your limits are and maybe kind of looking at things like you're, you've got limitless potential mm-hmm. and maybe just, just acknowledging, hey, I, I have limits mm-hmm. and, and thinking about that before getting knee-deep into, into um, organising. is like totally. really kind of checking in with yourself and going, okay, what are my limits? And maybe I should verbalise that not only with myself but s- some other people mm. as well. So that um, it makes it a little bit more real.
0: Yeah, totally, um, and real for the group as well, because there's those individual limits and capacities, but also, what's the group capable of? Um, maybe the group, whatever your group is or um, community, that you might be taking on more than you can chew. You know, maybe there's only five of you, and you've got these big dreams, and so you're continuing to push yourself and burning out, wondering why you're not achieving them. Maybe it's better to pare it back. A little bit and figure out what's achievable, especially what's achievable with your collective capacity. You know, get that individual list of what your capacities are and needs, and and then work from there.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like start your goals from the point of what's your capacity first, Mm. rather than come up with your goals and then say, okay, now let's all figure out how to do that. Yep. Um, Start with going. Okay. Yep. I, i've got i you know I've got this amount, I've got this amount, I can do this, I've got this much energy, okay, yeah. what can we do with that energy? Yeah. what can we create with that energy without having to to um some find some ways to to pull from the deep bank within <laughs> ourselves to to push on and do more than that yeah. Um,
0: yeah, so well said, and like that kind of highlights the like bottom up versus top down approach like you know we want to build it as we go according to our capacity and goals and um also that reminds me to of another little collective care tip is build in some wins you know build in some smaller wins along the way so that you feel like you're getting somewhere even if your long-term goal isn't necessarily achieved because it's quite lofty you know finding those ways to celebrate one another as you go celebrate your achievements as a group because otherwise it is fraught
1: Mm. and on that beautiful segue of (laughs) coming together collective care we're all kind of doing this thing together (laughs)
0: Oh, we're jumping, I believe, to Ben Lee, and we're all in this together. Is that what we're doing here, Jim? Well, it seemed like the segue, so I'm going to go with it. <laughs> we are all in this together. Yeah, it's very apt, and that's a good point as to why we need to take care of ourselves and each other, because we're in it together, y'all.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Ben Lee singing the truth. <laughs>
0: Uh, welcome back to the sewer show you're listening to 3cr where jim and Sue's from doing it ourselves we host the sewer on the third friday of every month and we're talking about sustaining your activism collective and self-care and burnout so we've already talked a little bit about burnout what it is what it looks like we've talked a lot about contributors to burnout and we've given hopefully some practical examples and tips for your own care and how to notice what's going on um there's obviously a lot more on this that we could go into. We were just talking in the break about how we might do another part two on this one. Um, but yeah, for the moment, we just want to give you a little bit more on what it can look like within maybe your groups. If you know you can get to notice your own indicators, noticing your own like red flags, so to speak, for when you're burning out. It can be really useful to make a little list or, as Jim was talking about earlier, to draw a picture of yourself and what it looks like when you're um, burning out. Maybe you want to do that as a group. And other things that are really important for you to notice are your group indicators. Um, So what it might look like when your group culture is not necessarily the most healthy. Um, I'm just going to throw out a few examples, if you don't mind, Jim. Sweet. Go for it. (laughs) Um, So one really big thing is if people aren't getting their tasks done that they've said that they'll do, that's a sign that they're not doing okay or maybe that's a sign that the culture of the group isn't necessarily healthy and supporting one another. Um, You see that a lot. If people aren't coming to meetings, if you're talking about the same issues with the same people and you're not getting new influx of people, then that's a sign that the group maybe hasn't got good culture towards burnout or creates a culture of burnout. Um, Another one is... What else? Um, When there's fighting, conflict, if there's a lot of interpersonal tension between people in the group, that can be really problematic as well and that kind of brings it to, you know, a big one for us, like conflict is one of the biggest causes of burnout, perhaps even the biggest.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely, like from my experience seeing things, um, that one definitely has... um, a really larger um, impact on a group, on a collective, than maybe some other forms of burnout. So I've seen people, um, you know, overcapacitate and then burn out, but it's generally easier to bounce back and it's not so widespread but when you have a group where a conflict dynamic starts, that can spread within the whole group and the whole group can start to get burnt out from that totally and um, and once they do burn out then it tends to sometimes from my you know this is just from my experience but it tends to be a real longer um, deeper emotional burnout because you, mm. you there's such anxiety going on there and people don't want to get back into that anxiety so they stay out of that space longer and they fear getting back into that space because it's just going to mean tensions and, and you know grievances in the group so mm. I think good grievance care. Good good, good emotional welfare checks,, yeah. um, and good conflict resolution practices is really. Um, really important to avoiding burnout in collectives.
0: Huge. And it's one that's often not talked about enough because, like, often it's a reactive thing rather than a preemptive one. Um, but getting, you know, a shared value together, maybe you want to do some visioning together as a group and figure out what your shared values are around conflict and how you handle that, that you want to work together peacefully and joyfully. And to do that, you might need to set in place some processes. There's a lot of resources out there on the internet about how to do conflict resolution. I myself run workshops on it, and I know lots of other people do, and we talk about it a lot in groups but just figuring out what your personal style of conflict resolution is whether that's non-violent communication whether that's like a neutral mediator from within your community whether that's really great interpersonal skills and communication skills that you're working on prioritizing and skilling up in your group as well that can be really integral um but yeah we want to honor people out there that are fighting the good fight but have often fallen by the wayside because of some shitty conflicts
1: yeah i think i think the the keys really for that stuff is like come up with some processes before any you know beforehand mm. um preemptively and practice them a little yeah, bit practice practice them have some role playing mm-hmm. practice it on some small issues you know little things um
0: hypotheticals even
1: yeah just little little fun things that are easier so then when um when something does happen in the group, mm-hmm. it doesn't get to the point where I've seen where everybody just freezes and doesn't know what to – you know, you just don't know how to react. Mm. You kind of go, okay, I don't know what to do now mm. because I don't want to make things worse. Yeah. So, everyone just does nothing. And then that that obviously doesn't solve anything. So, yeah, figuring out what happens when there's a disagreement amongst, um, you know, two or three or four or more of people within a collective. I think that's that's going to save a lot of emotional burnout.
0: Totally, And – practicing practicing your self care practicing your collective care practicing your conflict res creating a culture of practicing the stuff integrated with the outcome driven work that you do so that you know maybe half the time you're having meetings with agendas that are really like you know this action or this protest or this whatever dot 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 and the other half the time doing something fun or practicing this sort of group work so that when the other half of the more nitty gritty work comes in that it's easier and more joyful and more sustainable
1: Mm, definitely. Mm. Yeah, so I guess you know, we're going to have to round off the, the convo. It's, it's, you know, it's so juicy. There's so much to say mm. about it. And I guess, you know, we'll probably come back and maybe in a couple of months and, and talk about this again and open it up because there's so much to say. Yeah. Um, but I think like maybe some things that we can say is like, you know, if hopefully you don't reach it, burnout. you know, that's the aim is like, hopefully you get to that point where you're like not getting to the red when you're getting to the orange and you realize it's coming close and you stop and, and act then. Mm, yeah. Um, But should you, I guess, um, not be able to see it happen and get to that point that maybe start – there's some ways to reach out and options of, like, how do you uh, deal with that process and and Mm. who can you contact? Maybe we could talk a bit about that.
0: Yeah, very good point. Um, So we also want to just encourage you to take care of yourself, even if you're finding this conversation a little bit triggering or reminding you of your own issues that – you know and people out there just there's a lot of resources about self-care and and how to look after yourself obviously you can you know have chats with friends that's really important but also counseling there's also lifeline please feel free please to remember to call lifeline headspace there's a lot of um great work out there being done to help support people in need so please reach out and reach out to each other and get better at practicing your care your group care congratulate each other for doing self-care as well normalize it and we wish you well and we thank you so much for the work that you do out there everyone
1: yeah look after yourselves and each other
0: make sure you feel good and up next at 3cr we've got mafalda with news and views from latin america where susan jim from doing it ourselves and we're leaving you here today with nina simone's amazing beautiful song feeling good